Hello, hello, Jordan Sheridan live status quo in the hizzy. Uh, sorry if my face is a little dark, but wearing our uh, status quo hat, which you could get in the status quo store uh, as you as we head into the sunset of summer. Um, joined by Steve Grumbine of Real Progressives. Uh, happy for no, it's not 420, but I like that. Um, <laughs> Steve, how you been? How's summer? It's almost over, but it's hotter than it's been all summer suddenly. So it's been good, man. I missed you, man. It's been a bit. You know what I don't like, Steve, when I hear this thing about heat waves as if like this is some temporary thing. It's just a wave that will pass. No, the climate is fucking on fire. The planet is on fire, Steve. It sure as fuck is. It really is, too. I mean, just think about. How many coastal cities friends go to visit during the summertime that aren't going to be there anymore as melting occurs and all of a sudden uh, ocean levels rise and those coastal cities get wiped out. People taking it. Yeah, no big deal. It's a big deal. It's a real big deal. And we are going to air a clip later, which I already covered, but I haven't uh, been able to get your thoughts. It's kind of the crystallization, uh, this clip of everything we talk about here, uh, referring to the United Corporations of America, where Gilded Age aristocrats uh, went buck wild on climate activists. So we will air that later for the only reason I wanna air it, because I've already covered it, is to have you go ballistic. So I do look forward uh, to that a little bit later. Uh, For you people watching at home, this would be the uh, Nantucket fundraiser uh, where a climate activist disrupted a uh, fa- uh, Massachusetts governor fundraiser with uh, lobbyists for the Democratic Party to the point that the lobbyists got in the grill and faces of the climate activists and told them, uh, it's, we're okay if you, if you die. Uh, we don't mind if you die uh, to the young climate activists. So wait for that. That's coming up in a little bit. Uh, smash that like button, share this live stream. Uh, a lot of exciting things coming up. Um, I don't want to have egg on my face by promoting it because technically i guess it might not happen but at this point i think it's very very likely there's going to be a massive auto strike uh within the next 10 days um i would love to be on the ground i have plans to be on the ground uh in detroit and possibly other places uh for the auto worker strike which uh in my view is much bigger than just the auto industry we're going to get into it soon uh talking about uh, this strike, but I'm going to need everybody uh, to support us. So we'll promote it uh, throughout the show. But if you're not yet a member, sign up. We already got a sign up uh, before we even went live. So welcome new YouTube member, Matt Miner signed up, but we're going to have to get uh, more people to sign up and support us because uh, there's going to be a lot of outlets pontificating from their studios. I doubt there's going to be a lot of outlets on the ground covering uh, what could be 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 workers physically in the streets. Um, this is 150,000 workers that it would affect that could go on strike. And I anticipate maybe 50, 60,000 would physically you know, be out there. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Also, my old friend Donna Brazil, uh, I had <laughs> a little, uh, little exchange with her many moons ago uh, when I was at the Young Turks. Um, she was on the Sunday shows yesterday, and she's baffled shocked, dumbfounded uh, why President Biden's not doing better in the polls and, uh, you know, dumbfounded about Trump's 
movement, which I take issue with. I'm not sure if it's as much a movement for Trump as it is against neoliberalism, a, a reactionary movement against neoliberalism. So we're going to play uh, Donna and George Stephanopoulos's uh, shock uh, and then get into the climate stuff. Um, so I want to start, Steve, with this UAW thing. Uh, you and I talk all the time about, you know, we're not saying don't vote, but we also keep it real. Don't expect anything structurally big to change through electoral politics. You really got to get involved outside of electoral politics. And I can't really think of anything bigger right now um, than this potential strike. Uh, obviously, it affects a specific industry. The auto industry affects other industries. But I also think the the newfound militancy we're seeing uh, from the UAW, which has been plenty corrupt over the years, is quite refreshing. Uh, I, I'm trying not to, you know, fanboy per se the new UAW president, but he has been doing something we've really wanted our uh, progressives in Congress, if you want to call them that anymore, to do, and that's exerting power, carrying a big stick, using leverage. I'm talking about Sean Fain. Um, and he's not screwing around. Uh, he is holding live streams, throwing the contract offers from automakers in the garbage. Uh, he has told Biden, yeah, we're not giving you our endorsement until you actually do something for us. Uh, and he basically just called out the president uh, who over the weekend, I don't know if it was just he's stupid or is just ignorant. But Biden said over the weekend, yeah, I don't think that strike's going to happen. But uh, before I get your reaction, let me just give people an update here. This is from Axios. UAW strike looks highly likely when contract ends September 14th. All signs point to an auto worker strike where the UAW contract ends September 14th. Big question is whether the UAW targets one of the Detroit automakers or all three at once. Uh, from people I've spoken with, it does seem like it's going to be all three, which is very rare. Usually they focus on one. Uh, why it matters, there's still time, but President Fain's fiery rhetoric and admittedly ambitious demands, the media keeps calling all of this very ambitious, has set the stage for what could be a prolonged conflict. Uh, a more combative, U combative UAW has demanded a 46% pay raise, a 32-hour work week uh, with 40 hours of pay and a restoration of traditional pensions. Uh, so that's where we're at. Again, the contract ends September 14th. Should note that ca uh, Canadian's auto industry's contract ends a couple days later. So you could have 18,000 Canucks going on strike uh, right after uh, UAW workers. And Steve, to get the ball rolling, I wanted to start with Obama's car czar, uh, Steve Ratner. He's frequents morning Joe in the morning. Uh, he's got some corruption problems we'll remind people about. But let's hear uh, what he had to say uh, about this potential strike. Uh, you do know these things so terribly well. Give us your sense, from a distance, I understand you're not in the negotiations, but what is separating the two sides, the UAW on the one hand and the big three automakers on the other? I would say roughly there's something the size of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, this is really a scary situation. We've had many, many uh, labor negotiations between the auto workers and the UAW over the decades. We've had some strikes, unfortunately, but some of them uh, probably were inevitable or even perhaps necessary. This situation is really scary for a, a number of reasons. First, you have a very, very activist uh, UA, new UAW leader who I do not know personally, 
but who has said you know very very inflammatory things. Uh, didn't do the traditional GM uh, or auto worker initial uh, um, handshake, which you know is just symbolic. He doesn't have to do that, but has based it. But more importantly, has put out a set of demands publicly, which is unusual in itself, that are an utter laundry list uh, for everything from a 32-hour week to a four-hour week to more holidays, to more job restrictions, to a re restoration defined benefit uh, pension uh, pension pensions just a long long list of stuff that is just beyond the pale in terms of uh, any auto company's ability to meet it so beyond the pale uh says mr ratner he was appointed by obama as kind of the car liaison uh during, after the financial crash to rescue detroit um we'll get to him later but what, what are your thoughts about how beyond the pale it is for the auto workers to be uh, not asking, demanding uh, for 46% wage increases, which let's be clear, they've given a lot of those wages back over the years. That number is not actually really 46%, uh, among other uh, demands. You know, it, first things first, this is a really, really critical time. It's a fulcrum. It's all coming together at once. You look, American Airlines voted to strike. You look, Southwest uh, Airlines uh, flight attendants voted to strike. You got transportation. These are the key areas where making an impact beyond just their uh, neck of the woods, just beyond their working conditions has a real impact for society as a whole. But this particular thing, the, the auto workers have been given up the ghost constantly out of fear that they would go ahead and ship and move production out of the country and they would be without jobs. It's finally gotten to a point now where conditions in this country have gotten so shitty that they're emboldened and ready to take it on so from my vantage point i am looking it's not general strike but you're looking at transportation directed strikes that are going to have a huge impact on society beyond just the pain in the ass it'll make for regular people traveling the good news is is that this may get the ball going to get labor as a whole activated and that's really to your point earlier when you started this that's really what is required to see the bold kind of change more specifically for them good for them good for them it's a huge group of people it's a huge uh opportunity to make a huge statement for labor as a whole um i'm, I'm i couldn't be thr more thrilled but you're going to watch a very feckless democratic party talk out of one side of its mouth that they support labor while simultaneously doing things to cripple labor. I'm sure that they are already working uh, hand in glove with the ownership and the CEOs and the other stakeholders of the auto industry and the airline industry preparing for how they're going to thwart labor, say, no, this is not a good time for these things or something to that effect. But I hope to God they go for it and I hope they really push it all the way through. A uh, couple things. Number one, I hope to God more people smash that like button. We got almost 200 watching. Need every single person to press the like button. Uh, also, I hope there's not egg on my face. I, I hope. Uh, well, let me rephrase. Theoretically, in my heart, I would love them to not have a strike and just get the contract they deserve. But I'm not going to lie. Journalistically, I want to fucking strike. <laughs> I want to be able to get there on the ground and cover, you know, a big Camara, uh, camaraderic, camaraderic, camaraderie. Uh, a big camaraderic, camaraderie, a scene of workers coming together, holding the signs, a big fucking rat uh, outside to uh, signify the scabs. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I want to strike. 
Uh, will I be, um, you know, happy for them if they reach an, a, a quality contract before? Absolutely. But with 10 days left and very little uh, negotiations going on, I think it's, I, I, I think 99% sure there's going to be a strike, which is why we're promoting now. Help us cover it. I plan on being there on the ground, uh, probably in Detroit, which is kind of the capital of the auto industry. Uh, I will not be wearing pink, even though Colin made this graphic <laughs> pink. Uh, maybe I'll wear pink. We'll see. But I'll be in Detroit, maybe also cover picket lines in Ohio and elsewhere. Obviously, this is relevant for 2024 because there's Michigan is a swing state. Wisconsin is a swing state. Pennsylvania is a swing state. Uh, but it costs money uh, to be out there. Myself, John Farida, I definitely want to be out there for at least a week, uh, maybe more, because I think this strike has potential to go weeks, if not months. I, I think this could be a very big strike, very long strike. Uh, and let's let's be clear, after the first week or two of energy, pain sets in because these workers are not going to get their full pay. Uh, yes, there's strike funds, which gives them some you know, partial pay, but not their full pay. A lot of workers will be on the picket lines and then picking up extra work uh, to you know, put food on the table. They're not getting full health insurance from the companies either. Uh, so pain does set in. Stress does set in, you know, bickering and you know, factions form. It's it's hard to stay united, particularly if it's not one company, meaning not just the GM workers, but Ford workers on strike, General Motors workers on strike, Stellantis workers on strike. So we would like to cover it as long as it takes. Uh, myself out there, if I got to leave, you know, maybe Lewis going out there to uh, fill in, but that's going to require, you know, more funding for us. So please sign up today. Uh, we don't want to just bloviate about this from home. We want to be out there giving the microphone to the people. So statuscoup.com slash join, become a member for five to 10 bucks a month. Uh, let me remind you, Steve, who that little pencil nerd was that called this beyond the pale. Uh, this was Obama's car czar. If you have the article, Steve, Steve Ratner, millionaire, by the way, U.S. car czar pays 10 million over bribery claims. The banker who advised the U.S. government on the auto industry bailout settles over allegations he paid kickbacks to win state pension fund investments. Shocker! Steve Radner, wow. banker and former White House advisor, has agreed to pay 10 million uh, pounds, uh, excuse me, $10 million, 6.5 million pounds, to settle bribery allegations brought by New York Attorney General Andrew Cuomo. So that was when Cuomo was gunning to become governor. Uh, Ratner, who as Carzar advised the U.S. government on its auto industry bailout, had been facing legal action over allegations he paid kickbacks to help his company land $150 million in state pension fund investment in 2004 and 5. So, of course, he lives on Morning Joe. Um, so this guy is saying it's beyond the pale. Um, then he went on. We have another clip where he's saying it's not just uh, the beyond the pale wage increases they're asking for. But it's the fact that they're asking for, you know, different categories of work. Let's play that. When you talk about asking for pay increases and they've asked for very large pay increases as well, that sort of falls into the lost, uh, making up for the lost time category. Although I would acknowledge that, or I would note that they did get fairly substantial profit sharing bonuses as a result of the auto companies being more profitable. They have had wage increases and so on. So it's not like they took massive pay cuts. Uh, in recent years during this inflationary period. But uh, but the bigger thing of concern to me uh, is everything around the actual pay level. And it includes it includes things like the, the number of hours worked, when overtime kicks in, how many holidays you get, how many personal days off you get, things like that. 
But but here's David, the thing that is the scariest of all to me, which is work rules. Uh, I am a great believer in unions. I'm a great believer in the right and the ability of unions to bargain for higher compensation and for certain kinds of other benefits, healthcare, things like that, that we all know are important now for workers to have. But when you start talking about work rules, uh, then you start cutting into productivity. And then we start going down a, a slippery slope we've been down before with bad effects. When we got involved with the auto sector, uh, and in General Motors in particular, I remember, there were something like 300 job classifications at General Motors. If you were an electrician, you couldn't touch a piece, uh, a piece of plumbing. Uh, if you were a, a, a truck guy, you couldn't, you couldn't do something else, and so on and so forth. And it makes for a highly inefficient production process and works to the detriment ultimately of everybody. And the unions have come back now and asked for the reinstitution of some, happily not all, of the kinds of work rules that we had before 2009. And that kind of rolling back of this, this, this sort of wholesale rolling back of the clock is a very dangerous uh, place to be. So first of all, you could talk to any auto worker. Uh, they did give a lot of fucking money back after the 2008 financial crash. I don't want to say a number, but you know, I would say at least four or 5% in wages after the financial crash, paying more in healthcare, which is probably another couple percentage points in overall money they gave back. They've given back anywhere from seven to 10% of their wages, not to mention their pensions being rated by fuckheads like Steve Ratner. So he doesn't know what he's talking about, uh, or he does, and he's just lying. But then he's getting into this whole argument that corporations love to anti-union uh, people love to give of, oh, you know, all the bureaucracy and the red tape that unions put in and this person can't do this job and this person can't do this job. Um, some of that occasionally is too much as far as unions. I worked a union job once where there were maybe too uh, militant of rules. However, a lot of those rules are meant so that you're not hiring one person to do the jobs of seven people. Uh which is what GM, Stellantis, and Ford are trying to do. So that's why the UAW is asking for some reasonable, I would say, um, you know, classific classifications. So this worker does this, but doesn't have to do X, Y, and Z job. Uh, what were your thoughts on, uh, you know, Mr. Carzar slash bri bribery corrupt fuck uh, statement there? <laughs> Well, just remember that corrupt fuck works at will at advisors, which is part of Bloomberg. Okay. This is a, a dude that works for Bloomberg. So you don't need to think much. You ever thought when you say union labor, uh, class war, do you ever think of Michael Bloomberg sweeping in and just being part of the fist in the air kind of, you know, solidarity movement? No, hell no. And this guy eats at that dude's teat. He feeds at that dude's trough. That guy is one of those people. I bet you if you shook his hand, his hand would melt like butter. It's like that weak, horrible, disgraceful, I'm rich. And here, let me show you how weak my handshake can be kind of person. This guy literally is the epitome of the privileged piece of shit, white trash that people assume all white people are. And that guy is the epitome of everything wrong with wealth in America, with capitalism in America. And quite frankly, white supremacy in America, that shit guy couldn't have gotten hired by anybody. If mommy and daddy didn't introduce him to somebody, the guy was a piece of shit. That's all I got to say. 
Absolutely. And by the way, Colin put together this uh, handy graphic uh, for all this hand rigging about, you know, they got to stay competitive and yada, yada, yada. Colin, can we just break it down uh, how much these money, these companies are making? So uh, GM CEO, Mary Barra, $26 million last year. Uh, Stellantis mm. CEO, uh, $24.8 million. Ford CEO, $21 million. Uh, then the companies themselves in profit, Ford, $24 billion. 9% increase from the year before. Uh, GM, $21 billion, 17% increase from the year before. Stellantis, $18 billion, 26% increase from 2021. And then the best part, Steve, they're getting free money from the government. They're getting all these subsidies and free cash. I won't say it's taxpayer money because modern monetary theory, we're not paying for it, but it is free money. So we are printing the money. Public money. Uh, it's fucking public money. Yes. Preach. Continue. No, I mean, the bottom line is, is that whenever government subsidizes these assholes, they don't run around telling you guys, hey, we're going to raise your taxes so we can subsidize uh, the auto industry. They don't say that. Why? Because they're not raising your taxes to subsidize that. They just simply subsidize that. Why? Because we create the money every time we spend it. So these people know that. They all know that. All those rich fucks know that you guys, us guys, we people at the bottom somehow or another are infatuated with the idea that Margaret Thatcher was right and that it's our tax dollars. But these guys are getting free handouts 24 by seven. And if that isn't bad enough, they're getting sweet kickbacks with the interest rate hikes right now as well. So they're winning all day, every day, round the clock. It's nothing but wins for these guys. It's time we gave them a big old L. Absolutely. So, you know, listen, I think um, to me, I think that they are willing to do more on wages um, and, you know, they'll they would try to the companies, they would try to stagger it over X amount of years and give more in terms of a one time uh, bonus uh, at front, which a lot of workers desperately need, you know, a big bonus payment that they could get right away, uh, but then try to fuck you on the back end on health care. But key, these companies, their red line is the pensions. They do not want to do what's right for current workers or retirees. Uh, and that is why I think this new UAW leadership, uh, the current strategy has been so brilliant. Because in the past, and this is not just for the auto industry, other unions need to take a, a lesson here. Um, in the past, it's all been done in secret. Uh, which led workers to just speculate and a lot of rumors and innuendo about, you know, innuendo about what's going on. But, you know, he's just doing almost like fireside chat live streams, putting out the numbers, you know, how much they're taking in stock buybacks, how much the salaries are of these companies, how much the CEO's salaries has gone up, which puts a number to the rage, you know, workers now have, this is what we could put on, uh, you know, our, our, our signs, our strike signs. Uh, this is, you know, when you have uh, CEOs like Mary Barris saying uh, so, um, job security is earned, not given, you know, this kind of social Darwinistic bullshit talk. So uh, I think this is a real lesson on how to exert power. He also, uh, Sean Fain, is not just handing over the keys to a 150,000 worker union to the Democratic Party. He's saying, yeah, no, no, you got to supply us with some drinks before we're going to give give you any, you know, 
let's play a clip. He was on CNN because uh, all CNN cares is when are you going to endorse Biden? Uh, let's play that. You are clearly not afraid to, to, to break the mold here. And one of those issues uh, is involving an endorsement for the Democratic president, in this case, President Biden and his endorsement for reelection. Is an endorsement from your union contingent upon a deal with the White House on these specific demands that you have related to his Inflation Reduction Act, and that is subsidies for electric vehicles? You would like some contingencies based upon that for guarantees for employees, too. Well, you know, it's back to the same old story. Uh, when the when the corporations come to, come to the government with their handout, you know, the government always delivers billions and billions of dollars. But when the working class people show up and say, we want our share. We want our equitable share. There's always a reason why it can't happen. When it comes to endorsements, our endorsements are going to be earned. And so, you know, actions speak louder than words. So, you know, we will, we will make endorsements when the time is right. And we feel like, you know, the candidates have, have shown and, and have delivered uh, for our members' needs and for the working so class is it needs. Our endorsement is going to be earned. What say you, Steve? You know, I'm listening to this and and I want to say something. I, I am 100% on board with unions forcing uh, endorsements to be earned. I'm 1,000%. I'm 1,000% that way for politicians and for other people that step out and advocate for various candidates. That said, I want to say something a little bit off the wall. Fancy that it's Steve, so it's going to be off the wall, right? One of the things that I would say is that I'm not incredibly in favor of private sector uh, pensions. I'm not in favor of private sector uh, kind of uh, health care and so forth. In my opinion, and is I can ground it in reality, a lot of the problems we have here are misplacing putting those kinds of things on companies instead of providing them as a citizen's benefit. Instead of allowing a company to hold you hostage for your pension, hold you hostage for your health care, it should be public, period. And so Instead of worrying about taxing corporations, we should be taxing the C-suite to make sure that those bastards who are making 26 million, 30 million aren't winning every day all the time with stock buybacks and all the rest of it. We need to make sure that we're putting the onus where it belongs, and that is on our federal government. As long as we keep fighting dink and dunk fights, so between this group of workers and that group of workers and that management team and the other management team, millions upon millions of other people are left out of those opportunities because most people don't have a union. Most people don't have a pension. Most people, no matter how hard they work, aren't getting a living wage. So I think it's important that we fundamentally structurally change that. And to your point earlier, which we've talked about many times, you're not going to vote your way there. So I'm sure as hell hoping that they all go on strike. Every last one of these folks go on strike because I want this to bring about more structural change. I want labor as a whole to rise up and not take this shit anymore. Um, and it's not going to happen if Group A gets a sweetheart deal. It'll just all fold away and go away. It's good for uh, press. It's good for media, I'm sure. But it's even better for we, the people. You, you, you realize regular people aren't going to do shit until some leader says, hey, let's go. They'll go, oh, okay, leader said it, so let's go. Well, this is as close to a leader minus the politics as you can get. If we can get labor to do this thing, we got a shot. That's, that's how I'm viewing it. Well, there's also another element here that I think is important. You know, sure. obviously, the Democratic Party has long relied uh, on unions for donations yeah. and money. Uh, 
they've relied on Wall Street and, you know, the corporate fucks, but also unions. Uh, well, in this case, uh, I think the UAW is realizing we have the leverage here. I mean, in the past, the UAW leadership has just been corrupt. There's been bribery, embezzlement, yep. just, you know, leaders basically being in bed with the automakers and the Democratic Party. In this case, I think the UAW realizes, I mean, Biden can't really afford politically while he's already kind of politically dying. Uh, he's in some polls down to the four time indicted uh, former president. Uh, they can't really afford a long protracted strike. Because I don't really think if there's a long protracted strike, it would be good for Biden or the Democratic Party. Uh, I think those workers, not necessarily that they're going to become like, you know, it's a mix. A lot of them are conservative, liberal. Some, a lot of them don't vote. Um, but I think that uh, they would be angry if Biden and the Democrats don't step in on their side, not through, you know, virtue signaling statements or tweets, but actually <laughs> demanding and calling out the companies, which Biden and the Democratic Party, you're not going to get more than from Biden. You know, they have a right to organize, yada, yada. He's not going to be like rah, rah, uh, UAW, rah, rah, uh, you know, uh, the auto workers, you know, pox on the companies because he wants their money. And he wants Wall Street's money and they want all the money for the Senate races, the House races, the governor's races, the presidential race, which is now a billion dollar racket. So he's they have him in a bind there because if Biden and the Democrats don't come out strong for these workers, what's going to motivate them to come out for Biden? Uh, I'm not talking about the Trump, the Trumpy unioners, but I've covered enough. It's a mix. Some of them are progressive. Some of them are conservative. Some of them don't give a fuck and don't vote. So I think the UAW has Biden where he wants him because Biden, particularly in Michigan and a lot of these states where the uh, auto industry is is prevalent, are swing states. Uh, Michigan, obviously, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio. Um, so I think Biden, uh, I'd be, I'm not expecting him to do anything other than some kind of uh, vague kind of supportive statement. But other than that, I don't think he's going to do anything to support these workers. And I think that might come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah, I mean, if you hid the names of what Democrats do and just looked at what they do for labor, you wouldn't be real apt as a labor person to vote for them. They just don't do shit for you, period. And the idea of thinking that somehow or another the Democrats are going to change. I mean, imagine if Joe Biden came out and said, I am hereby proposing a National Labor Act that will ensure that no CEO makes more than 10 times or some weird capitalist flavor, no more than 10 times the lowest a worker or something like that. Man, oh man, you, he would be heralded by nine-tenths of the country. There'd be a 10% out there that would hate him for it, but 90% would love him for it. He's not going to do it. Why? There's a reason why. It's because the Democrats have literally for the last 50 years have given up on labor. They've stopped trying to be labor. In fact, Reagan era really, really pushed them over the edge. Bill Clinton really took them as far anti-labor as you could get right on the heels of the air traffic controllers with Reagan. So honest to God, at this point in time, it, it's almost embarrassing that it's taken 40 years for labor to realize the Democrats ain't it. But, you know, my my hope is that somehow or another, that regardless of who's in office, 
that labor rises up and takes these fuckers out because I mean, Biden, he's not going to do shit. AOC, she might do some Instagram or tweet something, or maybe she's not even on Twitter anymore for all I know. Um, you know, bottom line is these folks, they're going to say positive things on camera. They're going to do positive things in social media, but they're going to do jack shit for the real stuff. So I really hope these guys, I, I do. I hope they hold Biden accountable for not delivering. And, um, you know, what that means is not really my concern at this point. My concern is making sure that we have a real people first country, a labor first country, um, having a real class consciousness. And uh, the, this, the Democrats who once stood on those things, they still teach it in the textbooks in history class and stuff like that. They ain't it. They ain't doing it. They're not doing well, anything there, for labor. There's one more element before we move on to the next topic. Trump has an opportunity it will be disingenuous because he's not actually a populist. Uh, he has an opportunity to pick up a lot of these auto workers vote because one of the big um, pressing issues that the auto industry wants Biden to address is the fact that they're not again. I mean, the UAW is not against clean energy, you know, more electric vehicles, but the companies are offering workers half the wages to work at these electrical plants citing we don't need as many workers, you know, to do these jobs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so the auto companies are, you know, trying to push a, these plants need to be part of the union because the companies are making these plants non-union and we want co commensurate pay. So Trump is basically enter coming in there since Biden's not doing that. And there is no attachment with this free money. There's no, um, uh, there's it's no, not encumbered. Uh, Right. There's no like, uh, hey, with the money we're giving you from the government, uh, you have to pay X amount for these jobs. It's basically the same thing as the financial money. There were no strings attached. Um, the financial bailout, I mean. So mm -hmm. Trump is saying, another, you know, fuck, uh, you know, no more elect, no more of Biden's electrical Green New Deal. You know, it's killing our economy and it's giving you low paying jobs. And that might actually appeal. You know, that might appeal to a lot of these union workers who it's not that they don't care about the environment or the climate, but their main focus is food on the table, providing for their families. So if they're getting the shaft and getting offered far less wages for electrical vehicle jobs, a message from Trump of we're going to drastically cut that program uh, and continue, you know, these gas guzzlers that pay you more, that might you know, make a dent. So we'll see. Uh, before I move on, I want to give a shout out. Uh, new status quo member Larry just signed up. So thank you, Larry. Also, Tony D just gifted a status quo membership. Uh, so thank you to Tony D uh, who gave a gift of a membership. So that will randomly, uh, somebody will get that gift membership. Uh, we also got new member Matt. So that's three new members. Technically, as a reminder, we need to grow our membership to be able to fund me being on the ground to cover uh, the UAW strike in Detroit. I also would like to go to Ohio, possibly to cover the picket lines, maybe Wisconsin, but I could, we could only go out there as long as you fund it for. And trust me, if CNN, the New York Times, uh, all these corporate media co uh, companies cover it, it is not going to be from the vantage point of the workers. That I could promise you. So if you have five to 10 bucks a month, you know, it's the end of summer. If you've already blown through all your money, maybe, you know, uh, before fall, uh, you'll get some reserves back to, to sign up. But we need your funding. This is what your membership goes to, funding us to be out there on the ground. 
So please sign up. I'll give you more shout outs. Uh, every member that signs up while we're live. Uh, Steve, I'd like to move on. Uh, this gave me a tickle. Uh, Donna Brazil and uh, all these Democratic Party pundits, uh, George Stephanopoulos, ABC News anchor, former Clinton advisor. Uh, they are just they don't know what to do with themselves. How are the numbers so close? Uh, Trump's been indicted 72 times. Uh, you know, Biden, the economy is great. Why don't people get it? How great the economy is. Uh, let's play uh, a couple of clips uh, from Donna Brazil on the Sunday morning show. Just they don't get it. It is kind of shocking in a way that despite all of the baggage that Donald Trump carries, he's tied with Joe Biden right now. Yeah, I mean, George, when I looked at that recent poll, the Wall Street Journal, I, I said, oh, this could keep me up. And I look, the problem is and the biggest challenge we face is, is Democrats. I say we because I'm a Democrat is that young voters, young black and Latino voters, they're not ready to come back to the party. They're not even looking at the, the so-called messaging that's being sent to them about the economy, about climate change, about student debt relief. They are worried about their future. And right now they're looking for a leader who represents their values and their vision. And I think the, the president's campaign is going to have to really, you know, go deep and go hard to motivate those voters to come back within the Democratic Party coalition, because without them, it is a tight race and it's going to come down to four states. They're not ready to come back to the party. Well, maybe they can't <laughs> yeah. af maybe they can't afford to attend. Maybe that's the problem, Donna. Uh, you know, not to pick on Donna, you know, of course, she means well. But uh, yeah. She's right on the numbers. I mean, uh, the numbers are not good for Biden, particularly uh, non-white voters, which is usually the strength of the Democratic Party. Uh, he's been losing black support uh, over the last few months, particularly young black voters, Hispanic support. Not only that Biden is losing, but Trump is significantly uh, doing considerably well among Hispanic voters and black voters for a Republican. Of course, it, it's lower than Biden's support, but for a Republican, I mean, he's he's doing fairly well. Colin, if we could show uh, the New York Times article in there, headline, Consistent Signs of Erosion in Black and Hispanic Support uh, for Biden. So Biden uh, right now, if you look at the numbers in terms of uh, Black voters, uh, why is it giving me this? Hold on one second. Do, do, do. Uh, do, 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 do. Hold on. Uh, right now, if you look at his um, support among black voters, uh, non-white voters, overall, the president's approval rating stands at 47 percent among non-white voters in the Times uh, and Siena poll. His favorability rating among non-white voters is just 54 percent. Uh, and his specifically um, among black voters, he's under 90 percent. Uh, Made, uh, yeah, Democratic share of major party vote uh, under 90 percent among Hispanic voters. That's uh, basically 60 percent. Uh, so that's a problem because he really needs closer to 80, 90 percent uh, among both uh, if he's going to do well. And this was Hillary Clinton's problem in 2016. She lost uh, black and Hispanic voters. Well, yes, many problems. Uh, but Donna doesn't get Steve. How are we going to get these young young kids and uh, black and Hispanic uh, people back to the party? You know, I mean, just think about it, Jordan. I mean, if if the Democrats actually did what everybody thinks the Democrats do, 
Democrats would never have to worry about losing an election going forward ever. They'd win every one of them. But obviously, the Democrats aren't what they say they are. And so Donna Brazile, you know, kind of fronting for the party and even acting like, oh, you know, Joe's going to have to dig hard for him, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, it, it, it's too little too late. We, people have seen Joe Biden for 40 years, okay? And he, nothing fundamentally changed except he now stutters a lot more and he loses his balance a little bit more. I mean, Joe Biden is really a t and just an awful president. And if you think about how awful he is, you have to think about a guy like Trump. The, the, the indictments start feeling a little too political, man. If you're if you got your eyes up, you're just like, here we go again, again. And I, I saw a funny meme the other day from like the uh, Frodo Baggins and all that stuff. And they're like, hey, what about four, four indictments? And they come back to the, the, the little hobbits and they go, well, what about a fifth indictment? You know, something like that. I mean, all, this guy, none of this stuff hurts him because they look at the Democratic Party and and nobody thinks uh, the Republicans are going to give me the good things I need. Nobody thinks the Republicans are going to help them. The only thing to think the Republicans will do is cut their taxes. That's the beginning and the ending of what they think the Republicans will do. So they look to the Democrats thinking the Democrats will actually serve them. And since they never actually do serve them, people, you know, that they've always counted on unions, minorities, people, you know, at the margins, there's folks who are saying, you know, fuck off, man. I'm, I'm really tired of you using me as a political tool to get what you want and then never give me shit. Why in the world should I support you? And so Donna Brazil taking a bullet for the team out there on the morning, whatever, the 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 uh, show by show by show stuff. I mean, quite frankly, I, I feel bad for her. I wouldn't want to carry that water. Even even trying to say Joe, Joe needs to dig deep. Joe had an opportunity. He had a bunch of them. This student debt issue, forget everything else. This student debt issue in, uh, what is it? Oh, it's, it's September 5th. I think October 1st, they come back on. The payments come back on. You're going to hear weeping and gnashing of teeth in a way that you never thought was possible. And Joe Biden's going to be sitting there saying, vote for me. And people are going, fuck you. Okay. So count on, count on this really not doing much of anything. There's no way anybody's coming back to the party. And, and those that are, are sticking by the party, good for you. Just, you know, you've got endurance. Way to go. I mean, I, we need to make demands of our government, period, regardless of party. But the Democrats, the thing that makes them the more effective evil is that they lie to you and tell you that they will take care of these things. They will be there to fight for you. They will fight for getting rid of student. They will fight for Medicare for all. They will fight for a Green New Deal. They will fight. They will fight. They will fight. And they don't do shit. So you've got to overcome all that reality. And you've got to overcome guys like me that aren't going to shut up, that are going to keep saying this stuff. And I don't care what the fallout is. I'm going to speak the truth. And, and that's the important thing here is that you're never going to get anything to change if you keep making excuses for this. And quite frankly, I don't think Joe Biden's going to do a damn thing. And I don't think he's right. going to do a single thing. Well, I also think, and uh, I think this viewer uh, is 
kind of on the same wavelength as us. Rob says we have to build a sustained movement outside the electoral process. That's I RP's think, yeah. head of human resources. I would hope oh. he'd say that. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and no, I'm not interviewing Nick Fuentes. What the fuck is wrong with you, Cyberview? I'm not interviewing a raving anti-Semitic lunatic. Uh, anyway, but what I think is also important is young people, at the end of the day, if you got – if you can't actually do anything, why are we going to show up and vote for you? Even if they don't like Trump, which most young people don't. No. You said you couldn't give us a minimum wage increase because of the parliamentarian. You say you can't do anything because the Supreme Court shot down uh, your student loan plan, even though there are things you could do through executive action on student loans. You say you won't, you would repeal Medicare for all, even if it passed Congress. You got a different excuse and rationalization for everything you can't do. Well, the younger generation, millennials, generation uh, Z, uh, Z, they're not uh, I'm not I'm not saying this about all older people. There's plenty of older people, including our audience, that don't think this way. But the overall baby boomer generation kind of became a little tolerant and accepting of the whole. We can't expect big things. Uh, you know, this is what it is. This is the political system. Take take what you could get. Well, younger people don't have that view. And if you're not actually going to deliver for them, they're not going to continue coming out because they held their nose and voted for you, Biden, to stop fascism. Yet, what have they gotten for it? Build back sideways, Shittier. build back somewhat. And yes, there were obstacles, uh, but, you know, cinema, mansion, which he could have done. Uh, he could have went after them, which we've talked about over and over. But he's got every excuse in the book for not doing anything. And he has not previewed, hey, if you vote for me, this is what I guarantee. This is how we're going to get a $25 minimum wage, which at this point, $15 is the conservative position. You can't live off of $15 in most places anymore, much less the starvation wage. Uh, I guarantee you X, public option, this and that. I wouldn't believe him, but at least he could pretend, he could feign. Uh, they're not even doing that. So why would people come out strongly for you uh, when they've already lived through Trump? Yes, it was awful. I, I expect it to be even worse if Trump is president again, because what, what else would he have to lose? He's <laughs> committed all the crimes and got away with it at that point. But economically, I don't really think the people the Democratic Party desperately needs to come out for them. I don't think they trust that it would be much different for them economically if it's Trump versus Biden. You know, I, we, we are an ideologically bankrupt country. Our, our, people don't have a value system that they hold candidates to. They're just kind of women. How's the wind blowing? It, it, there's not literally uh, class consciousness. There's not an awareness of, of what the struggle is for everyone. And so, therefore, there's very little solidarity. And so a guy like Trump comes through the door. And Trump, all he has to do is say, Joe Dumbo Biden or come up with some silly nickname and everybody gets a good chuckle and they're like, yeah, fuck Biden. Well, fuck Biden for real. But the alternative isn't fucking Trump. The alternative is to rise up together, build power outside the electoral process and force whoever the hell gets elected to do our bidding. We're the people, right? But there are bootlickers out there. There are people that think they're edgy and cool. And there's a couple of them. I'm sure you can read the comments. Um, that think that they're saying something cool by being pro-Trump. And let me just say this. What do you stand for? What, really, what is it that you think you're standing for? I, I, I'm not standing for Biden. Fuck Biden. Fuck Biden hard. But what is it about Trump? There's not a damn thing 
that Donald Trump stands for, other than you getting your little shot in at black people, brown people, gay people, somebody you get to say, ah, he, he, he took away all that political correctness. Oh, you mean you don't want these people to be happy. You want to be able to call them an N word to their face. You want to be able to call them whatever and fire them because they're, you found out that they're gay or something like that. Good stuff, man. I mean, that's the only thing that Trump has given is freedom to be an asshole. Okay. The rest of it, he doesn't provide any kind of services. There's not any kind of meaningful legislation he advances. His goal, his only value, and I get it, there is some value to this, is owning shit libs. That's it. He is a perfect troll for the shit lib uh, virus that we have in this country. So in that sense, I get the attraction to Trump only there. The rest of it is empty. There's nothing there. If you have an actual concept of what it means to be a worker, and when I say a worker, I'm not just talking about people that are out there digging ditches and flipping burgers. I'm talking about anyone that goes to work for some job of any variety and lives for a paycheck. That's the working class. If you have any concept of how massive the working class is, and if we but united what we could do and what we could change, you never ever dream of supporting Donald Trump, just like you should never dream of supporting a neoliberal like Joe Biden. This is why we've got to build power outside. And programming announcement, I'll be interviewing Cordell West uh, later in the week. Uh, so that's exciting. I was supposed to interview. Fuck off. I was supposed to interview Marianne Williamson about a week or so ago, but I don't know. Her people canceled saying she her schedule was messed up. So who knows? Uh, but I am interviewing Cornell West uh, later in the week. Uh, and yeah, we're going to continue covering Cornell West. I say vote, vote for whoever you want. We're not pushing uh, any particular person, but I am going to cover Cornell West. We are going to continue covering the media propaganda about him being a spoiler. Listen, the polls are the polls. Uh, the recent poll has Cornell West up uh, at four percent, which is. Pretty impressive, I'd say, since he hasn't really launched a real campaign yet. He hasn't even won the Green Party nomination. He's at 4%. Jill Stein, I think, barely cracked where she got less than 1%. I don't remember. Um, but Corn they were all freaking out because Cornell West, 4%. Trump's margin went up uh, to 4%. But without Cornell West, Trump was only up by 2%. Well, maybe you should be freaking out more about the poll that without Cornell West, a four-time indicted fucking disgrace who didn't do anything for anyone, really, uh, is beating the incumbent president supposedly presiding over a great economy. I'd be more worried about that, that it's even close head-to-head -head between Biden and Trump if I was the Democratic Party. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, preemptively, uh, you know, blaming it all on Cornell West. Because, again, could he potentially pull some votes? Yes, but it will not be the deciding margin. What will decide this is if Biden steps out of 1980 and says, you know what, I'm going to say, damn the lawsuits, the Supreme Court, I'm canceling student loan debt. I have the power through the Health Education Act, and I'm canceling student loan debt. I'm declaring a climate emergency, and with that, actual government rules that mandate these companies start moving now, aggressively. And if you don't do it, we're pulling your subsidies. Watch how quickly these companies fold. Uh, I could go on and on, but... He's not going to do any of that because he doesn't want to. At the end of the day, he's a conservative Republican. Uh, maybe he's better on social issues than Trump and other Republicans. But economically, he's what he is. The, the, the Democratic Leadership Council, the new Democrat ilk from the 1970s and 80s. Steve, 
before we go, I, uh, you know, I want it to be organic, but I was hoping this next topic might uh, make you pop a blood vessel. Uh, I covered this a while ago, but I don't think it was with you. There was recently uh, a fundraiser on Nantucket, in Nantucket, this is my uh, aristocrat uh, accent, uh, you know, Nantucket, Cape Cod, Martha's Vineyard, that's where a lot of the, the rich fucks live. I think Obama has a house on Martha's Vineyard, but a lot of these wealthy people have houses in Nantucket or Cape Cod or whatever. So uh, the governor of Massachusetts, Maura Healy, uh, had a fundraiser just looking at the crowd. It was all kind of filthy aristocrats, big Democratic Party donors. And uh, the Climate Defiance Group, who's been doing great work uh, disrupting a lot of these fundraisers, speeches, interviews, just shutting them down uh, with young activists. Uh, they were there. And boy, I I'm not even going to say anything more. Let's just watch and get response. Excuse me, Governor Healy. I'm sorry to interrupt. We're in the midst of a climate emergency. What's your name? My name is Matt. Nice to meet you. I'm 20 years old and you're throwing my future. The city of Massachusetts is building 10 new fossil fuel infrastructure projects right now. We need you to ban new fossil fuel infrastructure right now. Will you commit to doing that? Yes or no? Let's talk about that, okay? No, let's talk about it. Yes yeah. or no? Let's talk about that. There's a huge transition that we're, we're undergoing and there's a lot of work to do. But let me tell you, and the I appreciate- The first step of the transition is to ban new fossil fuels. Will you ban new fossil fuel infrastructure? I, I, think I appreciate I think it's that. Enough. that uh, Guys, I appreciate it's democracy. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. You assaulted us. How did I assault you? There is no future. Get out! The fossil fuel industry bought you out. The fossil fuel industry gave you fifty thousand dollars. And fossil fuels, Mara. And fossil fuels. Solar everything. I have solar in is my house. Is your individual act going to help us? No, the no, act of someone no, in power is going to. If you had half a brain, you would understand We have no money. Laura has power, and she can help save us but if she's not. But your rudeness prevents you We're from talking die. to us. Who cares how rude we are? I, I don't mind if you die. I'm going to die a lot quicker than you are. Wow. I don't mind if you die. Wow, that was like. <laughs> You're, so You're so rude. You're so rude. Do, do you know, uh, honest to God? Oh, wait, but oh, wait, we're not done, Steve. I want to oh, give boy. you some biographical information here. Uh, oh, so you remember the old guy with the Doc Brown hair from Back to the Future, uh, who, as he was saying, I'd like to touch you uh, to the climate activist, which was kind of creepy and weird. Uh, didn't, by the way, props to him as he was, you know, encroaching their personal space, did not drop his Chardonnay. I don't know if that was Chardonnay <laughs> or Champagne or a spritz. I don't know. Uh, but he, who says, I've been a climate activist longer than you've been alive, he happens to be a uh, fossil fuel lobbyist. Uh, if you have that, Colin, uh, this is, uh, it gets better. Uh, Mike told, uh, I've been a climate activist for longer than you've been alive. Mike is a fracked gas lobbyist and a major donor to Kristen Cinema. Uh, so that is the gentleman who's been a climate activist for as long as you've been alive. He's a fracked gas lobbyist. 
And uh, Mr. Percolet, whose uh, contributions to, uh, you know, preventing the climate apocalypse is having solar, having solar panels. Um, he's a billion dollar real estate developer uh, throughout New England and other parts of the country. Uh, uh, in addition to his very offensive eyebrows, uh, he told the 20 year old, uh, I don't fucking care if you die. So now that you have the biographical information, we got a billionaire real estate developer, a frack gas natural lobbyist who used to be a big wig at the DNC. Also, uh, your thoughts. So first things first, there was somebody that left a comment that kind of want to feed into this. And the comment was, this guy is nothing but emotional. I want to just state for the record, I bring economics to this discussion. I can talk to you from the inception of a bill all the way through the entire spending, through the entire economy, not just the domestic economy, but the global economy. When they bring me on and I talk about those things, you'll find out how little of that is actually emotion and how much of that is just straight up facts that you haven't been introduced to. That said, emotionally speaking, when I see people actually rising up, I, I see, I look at those people, forget the activists for a minute. When I see those kind of privileged rich fucks and I see how they walk around as if who gives a shit about anything, like everything is about where am I going to go for vacation? Hey, I'm going to job, jump in my plane. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do When I see people that live like that, while everyone else is struggling right now, people that most of the people I know are struggling right now. And I see them act like who gives a shit? Oh, and you should mind your manners. You should be nicer. You should be kinder. You should be sweeter. You should say that in a different way, because after all, if you're rude, no one will hear you to every single tone police are out there. I say, fuck you just straight. Fuck you. I look back when Bernie Sanders stood up there on the stage and the black lives matter activists took the microphone. People belly ached and bitched about that. At the same time, black lives activists took uh, the microwave from Hillary Clinton, all the friggin' tone police got out hell bent. Oh my God. How could you, we are at a time of unprecedented multi-crisis poly crises, the environment, the economy, our lives. Okay. And until we do something about that tone, does not make a fucking bit of difference? You don't have agency through voting. They won't let your vote count. You don't have agency to any aspect of this quote-unquote democracy that they keep acting like, well, let the people decide. The people don't have a voice because the sham of a democracy that we keep getting folded back into phone banking and door knocking and donating, et cetera, that same sham of a democracy keeps producing these kind of people that sit down with these fossil fuckers and sit there and literally, literally kill us. And they act like they're doing it in your name. The audacity of saying that they're doing it in our name as they go out there and pretend like they're representing the people is the biggest crime of it all. Because sadly, there's many of you, and I know you talk to people that are like this if you're not one yourself, who make excuses for these feckless pieces of shit. Vote blue no matter who. Ride the blue wave. This is your blue wave. This is the shit that comes out of your non- willingness to fight the system and as a result these people feel empowered and there's always a bootlicker waiting to say you should be nicer they'll hear you better steve don't talk about mmt in a mean way talk kindly to people they'll hear you better fuck off and fuck these people man we are literally i mean if you pay attention to the climate science we are so close 
to an event horizon. We are so close to real meaningful disaster that if we don't do radical shit to change the system, if we don't do radical shit to take down this tone deafness, this complete and utter abdication of any kind of responsibility to fix the problem, we're dead. And maybe we all aren't dead. Maybe it's just those in the coastal communities are dead. But as other areas become more arid and food and water become more scarce, we're going to see real hardcore problems that there isn't a political solution for. It's called death and it's coming. And so, Jordan, from my vantage point, if we don't start getting more radical, and when I mean radical, I mean stopping thinking that you're just going to go ahead and vote and go back to lunch, go to brunch, do whatever it is that people do to put all their hopes and dreams in the voting process. Justice Dems, this and that. If we don't get radical and get out of this, we're going to die. That's the straight truth. The kids said it. I'm a 54-year-old asshole. I said it. You've said it. If we don't do something radical, it's it, shit's going to get bad. And these fuckers, these fucking bad hair, rich fucks are going to be sitting there riding off to Elysium, going in their underground bunkers, doing whatever it is, going to higher ground. I don't care what they're going to do something to live through it while we just end up being soilent green for them to chew on, you know, as they go forward. So the time well, I, you. I thought one of the most uh, telling as an honest uh, in a bad way, things that was said. I mean, there's a lot of creepy things like I'd like to touch you or <laughs> I, I don't mind if you die. But the real estate guy said, uh, you don't understand how to get things done. You don't know how things work. <laughs> you don't have enough money to do it. <laughs> right. Well, that could be taken the other way, too, because he's saying you don't know how this system works. You don't get it. You know, you don't know how to buy off a politician. Uh, I could teach you if you, you know, pay pay me for the con consulting fee. But what have you gotten done? I'm sure he's gotten plenty done for himself and his family. I, I didn't pull up the article, but that guy wrote for the Boston Globe, I think, against the wealth tax. Shocking. But uh, what have you gotten done? I mean, I'm not blaming all of the climate fucking apocalypse on these two shitheads. But what have you gotten done with your climate advocacy or your solar panels? Nothing. These people who think they've gotten so much done through being civil and through bipartisan politics and, you know, doing things the right way. Uh, they've led us to epic, uh, unprecedented homeless, uh, homelessness, unprecedented inequality economically, a climate fucking apocalypse, not to mention, uh, you know, uh, a pandemic that is still going on. Sorry that people don't want to hear that. Uh, it's just unbelievable the chutzpah, the arrogance, the tone deafness of these people. And to be fair, this governor of Massachusetts isn't the worst of the worst in terms of fossil fuel. Texas and these other states are a lot worse. There are some wind and renewables she's doing, but it's the whole fucking system and the whole symbolism of your fundraisers on Nantucket, Hamptons. And by the way, it's not just Democrats. There's Republican fundraisers that are equally sure. as gross. Uh, but this is the problem because these people care more about civility and being kind and diplomatic and approaching things in a constructive way. Fuck you. We're all going to die. Hey, let me, let me take this a step further. One of the biggest lies that we have ever been sold is hey, just go recycle. Just go ahead and drive an electric vehicle. It'll save the planet. 
the idea that they would put the onus on individuals changing their lifestyle is the single laughable, most laughable fucking thing of all time. First of all, go try to buy a Tesla. If you got 80 grand laying around or whatever it is, go try to buy a electric Mustang for 80 grand, go try and buy whatever electric car out there for 35, 40 grand. When did Mazda become the hot new lick at 55 grand? You know, Volkswagen at 60,000, all these things. These are the electric vehicles. The fact of the matter is, is that our military industrial complex is devouring the environment with its fuel uh, consumption. The worst part is the constant private jets, the big, massive yachts, all the other waste from these rich fuckers lives. OK, that are destroying the planet and they want to put it on you to recycle your milk, uh, your milk jug. Give me a fucking break, folks. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than you riding a bicycle to work. OK, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than you composting to fix this problem. These are the lies that neoliberals tell, because the idea of neoliberalism is to put the onus on you. You're a failure. You are a success. You win. You lose. It's always you. And they're abdicating the responsibility because they are playing through the Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan playbook, whether it be fucking Biden, whether it be AOC, whether it be any of these fuckers. They're putting it on you. It's time for us to say, hey, fuck you and do something meaningful about it. With that, Jordan, I got a boogie, brother. It's been good being with you, man. Do you think tell people uh, where they could find real progressives and all your shows? Absolutely. So first things first, tonight at 8 p.m., come to our Macro and Chill. It is a discussion Zoom call where we have 30, 40, 50 people come together, listen to the podcast from the previous week and talk about it. <clears throat> That's every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. I am the will Rogue there be, Scholar. Will there be where there'll be kombucha? There might be. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I am literally doing Rogue Scholar Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Again, I took a month off just to get my head back together. I'm back. I'm back in black. Here we go. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 noon Eastern time. And then Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., I do. Uh, we release our Macro and Cheese podcast. Go out there on every one of your podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, any of them, Spotify, you name it, you'll find macro and cheese. It's audio only. So you can cut the grass, ride around, do whatever you want to do and listen to it. And Jordan, thank you so much. It's good to be back. I missed you guys. Miss the coup, miss being part of the gang. It's good to be back. I'll talk. And to everybody you guys go again. subscribe right this minute. Please. Real progress, real progress, real progress in, in action. action. Real Please progress in action YouTube channel. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much. All, All right, right, man. Go Take care, your, everybody. Uh, don't right. go anywhere. I got one more thing uh, before we go. As a reminder, I will read your super chats. So if you left a super chat, I'll read them. Uh, reminder, uh, this strike is not going to cover itself. We've gotten three new members uh, since we started this live stream. I want to continue signing up new members. I know I sound like a broken record, but I kind of have to ask. I kind of have to beg because we don't have any money coming from the big banks, the fossil fuckers, big pharma, big real estate, Silicon Valley, the mili military industrial complex. We don't have any money coming from those rich fucks at that fundraiser. Our funding comes from you, the viewers. So if you want me on the ground covering uh, the United Auto Workers strike, which again, 150,000 workers, let me repeat, 150,000 workers potentially striking in 10 days, General Motors, Ford, Stellantis, uh, those workers, Please sign up. We have to fund the media we want to create. 
statuscoup.com slash join. Also, I want to remind you, we still have a massive water crisis in the city of Flint, Michigan. This was sent to me today. This is the water. An elderly woman, you could full screen it, an elderly woman on the west side of Flint received today. Does that brownish yellow water seem safe to you? Nine and a half years later, day 3,420. That's not piss. That's the water she's getting in her home that she put in a water bottle. Uh, other residents, as I've, as I've been saying for years, are continuing to get discolored water, smelly water, uh, are continuing uh, to get rashes when they shower, continuing to lose hair. Yet the governor of Michigan, a Democrat, continues pretending everything's fine. Water's fine. Just rubber stamps the bullshit that her predecessor, the Republican governor, Rick Snyder, said. The water's not fine. All the pipes have not been replaced. The residents' interior plumbing inside their home was never replaced. They never replaced the main pipes underneath the street that are mostly made of iron. When you, If you have iron corrosion, that feeds bacteria. What did people die of? Legionnaires, a bacterial disease. Nine and a half years later, almost a decade, this city is still getting discolored, smelly, contaminated, poisonous water. That is why I work as hard as I do. That is why I'm currently writing a book on this have finished 14 chapters. What did I do on Labor Day? I wrote, not chill. I was writing yesterday. I am working my ass off to get the truth out about who poisoned Flint and why. So we could, if there is a God, get some justice out there, some accountability. So please, please remind people this is still a crisis in Flint. It's not past tense. It's current. Just like we still have massive amounts of COVID spreading around, which yes, is killing less people, but is also disabling a whole generation of people with long COVID. Even though some uh, edgy people on YouTube pretend it's not a thing and COVID is an op. Um, please, please sign up so we could continue uh, covering and sending me uh, in 10 days to uh, hopefully Detroit to cover this United Auto Workers strike. Again, thank you. New status coup member Matt signed up. Thank you for the $5. Carpe diem, five bucks. I'm not using GoFundMe anymore and I don't want to use Google. How can I donate to status coup whenever I want? That would be statuscoup.com slash donate. So you could donate. You could set up recurring donations at our website. Uh, or a one-time donation, whatever works for you, statuscoup.com slash donate uh, is the way to do that. Uh, anybody, if you're already a member, you could donate at statuscoup.com slash donate. Uh, Carpe do. Oh. Uh, I was just going to say this, Carpe Diems, in uh, response to your Cornell West interview announcement. Uh, yes. Will we be allowed to ask questions? Uh, probably going to have them on live, so sure. Uh, you could ask him questions if I have them on live. Uh, Daspos Fleiss, 599 euros. Thinking of cancer, it gets bigger and bigger until the organism fails. I don't want any, I don't want to draw any parallels to billionaires, but I think that's actually a pretty accurate. <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate uh, of a parallel. Uh, once again, thank you to new status coup member who signed up. Uh, Larry, we'll give more shout outs uh, as new people sign up uh, tomorrow. 
Uh, thank you for watching. Please, if you haven't, we've been posting more of Lewis's recent reporting trip in, Lu in East Palestine. Uh, he was just there recently for his fourth trip. Really important to get those videos out there, to share them with friends, family, so we could get out the truth that this is still a massive disaster in East Palestine. Residents are very sick and being fed lies by the EPA and the state government. So please watch those videos, comment, share them, etc. cetera. Uh, that's all I got. Please, uh, again, share this video, leave a comment, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.